are at 70%, but people seem not to care that much. So it's uh, we are still still uh, going to work, um, doing regular life, wearing masks everywhere. But uh, we, I think the Swiss people have responded pretty well. They're pretty resilient this year. So uh, hopefully it's not going to last forever, but uh, it's going to be a sad Christmas, I think. But it's going to be fine. <laughs> Yeah, I, ho I hope I hope so too. We in Austria are um, in the second lockdown, and yeah, we are confident that life gets better when it we. It should get better, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely, it will. Uh, Daniela, let me ask you one question. You are in Switzerland. You are running a company, yes. and how did you become an entrepreneur? Uh, that's a beautiful question. So, uh, it happened. In my brain overnight, uh, so I was basically raised as a biotechnologist, as a scientist. I wanted to be a scientist since I'm seven years old. I told my father I want to play with cells, and he was like, okay, what's wrong with my daughter? <laughs> But that's what I wanted to do. And I really thought I would continue my academic career and become a professor uh, mm -hmm. somewhere, actually in the U.S. That's the normal thing to do. That's, that's the normal thing to do, right? Um, but during the uh, postdoc position time that I had at the University of Zurich, my professor said, we need to raise uh, some money. So we were writing a grant. You want to help me out? So I said, oh, of course. I mean, let me help you, out, help you out. And with that grant, we received money from yeah. the European Commission to do a translation. So of the product, which was at the bench and on animals, to people. Which grant and was it? It was an um, FP7 EU mm. grant. Yeah, it was 9 million Swiss francs. It was a lot of money. Huh? Congratulations. Uh, yes, thank you. And uh, because I helped him write the grant and because he was a professor busy with many other things, he said, okay, I give you the, you know, help me coordinate this thing. Because it was a consortium with more than 12 partners, you know, doctors, uh, study mm. sites and, and a CMO, CRO. And I started seeing myself as a kind of a small manager And I started realizing I actually like it. <laughs> so I was a hybrid creature for three years doing the science and the project management. Mm -hmm. And um, you actually, as a last step of, for the grant, offered me a course in South France, in Sofia Antipolis, mm -hmm. for business modeling. And I thought, yeah, whatever, it's free of charge, it's South France, <laughs> September, I'm going to be at the beach the whole time, yeah. you know. And instead, I was totally brainwashed. I was totally brainwashed. Yeah. I came back with the idea that I'm a natural, that I can pitch, that I can raise money, and I want to be a CEO. And I came back from Sofia Antipolis, Antipolis on Saturday evening. And on Monday morning, I knocked at the door of my professor and I said, I think I'm going to build a company. So it was really all in, all in my head. Uh, it was really based on the fact that we saw the first results on patients. So I knew We have a chance to succeed with this product. And uh, the fact that I realized that uh, maybe I was enjoying it. Enjoying what you do is the best thing in life. So I still have zero regrets of what I did. So it's good. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's go back a little bit to, to the part of the story where you said you, was, you were invited to France yes. to attend a seminar <laughs> about business modeling. Um, I'm, I'm very curious what happened there because when I talk to scientists, uh, they know the science 
science quite well, but from my perspective, academia is uh, a different mindset than running a business. I would like to hear from you as a scientist and the scientist speaking, what differences did you learn in that seminar between science and the scientific world uh, that is connected to the business life? Yes, that's a very good question. So I was shocked um, because for the first time, I think in my life, I found myself in a crowd which knew much more than I knew. So I felt like I was inferior to anybody else around. I had zero idea. <laughs> I was I was really, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't understand what they were yeah. talking about. I didn't know what a pitch was. I was raising my hand. Sorry, what's a pitch? Sorry, mm. what's a finance? What are you talking about? EBIT? What are you talking about? What's an FTE? I was like completely lost, you know? Mm. And, uh, and, and you know, I was definitely, I'm, I'm a very self-confident person. So I was not discouraged by that. I was actually intrigued by the fact that there was so much I didn't know. Mm. And, um, and the first thing was to, Actually, there was a very excellent coach there that told me, stop talking about a project. This is a product. I was like, oh, yes. Stop saying the word project. This is a product. Yeah. I <laughs> think this is very important. <laughs> yes, it was a really big rainwash. And then the, the magic was telling me to write, uh, to, to write 10 uh, pages of a business plan mm -hmm. until Friday at 2 p.m. from mm -hmm. Monday because there will be a pitching session in front of real investors and the best pitch will win, will win and give me a competition and I want to win it. So I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I need to compete. I need to win. So I, I was there with my baby. She was not even a year old. And I, my husband was there with her and I had zero time for the two of them. They were very pissed, <laughs> but I was working on, I, I didn't even have a laptop. Can you believe that? <laughs> yeah. Because I thought I would be at the beach the whole time. <laughs> and I was, I was using my iPad back then, a small thing. Yeah. And at the end of the days, at the end of Friday at two, I pitched for the first time about the novel skin and I won the competition for the best pitch. And that was it. <laughs> Congratulations. I, I, I love that story. So basically you said to your husband, let's go to a, to the beach. And to the beach, it, and it, it ended up in Berg. So you wrote your first business plan and yes. won the pitching competition. That's great. Yes. And he spent the time trying to, you know, take care of a small little baby without the mom. Oh. <laughs> Which was no fun. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. So you had a family by this time, and afterwards you decided, uh, let's make it my profession, let's run a company. Absolutely. Uh, I really, the Monday after I decided and I thought, okay, I'm going to give it a try, you know, mm -hmm. and I started, I mean, I'm, I'm South Italian, so I have, you know, I can talk a lot. I'm not ashamed of anything. <laughs> I can do what I, you know, I'm really, really, uh, I think this helps a lot, definitely. Yeah. And uh, in, within no time, I created a small network. I, you know, I could have mm. people helping me doing things. And and uh, then, you know, they, they, the Swiss government offers you this coaching opportunity. Back then mm. it was called CTI, it's now called Inno Swiss. So I got my coach for three months free of charge. And this person really helped me from scratch. I mean, I didn't That's know, great. you know, and this was really the launch. And, and that business plan, which I wrote together with the coach, won the best prize for the best business plan in 2015. So it gave me right. such a boost. Like, you know, if the old jury, which was composed of the CEO of Rush, the CEO of Novartis, thinks that plan is the best. I mean, I have to bring it through, you know, and that's why it took time. I mean, the the the, the South France story was in 2014, huh? Mm -hmm. And the company's incorporated in 17. So it took me three years to from the idea to the incorporation. It's not something I did, you know, in one second. I really wanted to make the right steps. That's why I liked being scientist, you know. 
Mm-hmm. You need to be visionary, but also very methodic. You know, I didn't do things yeah. in a rush. I took the decision fast, but I started building the foundation in a in a methodic way. I would say. Yeah, I think that's a, very, that's that's a very important character trait for every CEO, I guess, yeah. to, to approach uh, uh, founding a business like you did. If I got it right, in 2014, you basically had the founding idea of uh, your actual company, and it took you free time to really make it happen. What happened in these three years? What what thought process uh, did you need? Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Yes, I mean, I actually was building then in the meantime a regulatory strategy. I mm-hmm. wrote two additional patents. Uh, we engaged with more partners clinically. We finished a phase one trial. I We had more people manufacturing. So it was kind of bringing the foundation, you know, having the, mm-hmm. the right blocks to make sure that the company would start with a solid a solid foundation, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I looked for a super experienced person, which would help me the management, which I digged out of Singapore, you know, because I thought I'm alone. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a really cool person, don't get me wrong, but I don't know that much, you know. I need somebody that has done this in the past. And it took me time to find the right people, you know, and to engage mm-hmm. them. And um, by, by March 17th, uh, I think it was the perfect timing and I was uh, seven months pregnant. So my company is born in March 17, my second baby in May 17. And uh, yes. And so the first fundraise was uh, with a big belly. That was fun to do. Yeah. Um, but it was just the right time. You know, I really wanted to make sure that before we incorporate, we, you know, we are solid to start. That was important for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, be- I believe that. So we are talking about, uh, I hope I spelled the name right. Uh, how, how do you spell your company name? Just, uh, Kutis. 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 Uh, yes, Latin. Yeah, Latin. What does it mean? <gasps> so Kutis with just one S means skin in Latin. So in English, you can say a cutaneous wound, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the second S is added for many things. It could be for Switzerland, but it could actually makes the the word tissue visible. So it's skin tissue. Yeah. That's, that's, and I'm Italian, so I wanted to have something Latin. That's, that's, it's all about it. (laughs) I absolutely like your approach. You um, built a solid foundation, found a team, and then founded the company. So tell me, what's what's the business plan of the company? I'm curious now. Okay, so the business plan is to bring to the market uh, a very innovative service for people. So we are basically manufacturing skin on demand. So when people have a burn or they have to do a plastic surgery or there is a trauma accident or a tumor to remove uh, and you need skin um, Mm -hmm. to restore the skin function, if, if the wounds don't close by themselves, we can bioengineer skin from the patient sample. So it's a personalized, custom-made product on demand. And to do that, uh, we are building a company which actually will be able to deliver a lot of skin in a short time in a reimbursable fashion. 
and um, something which can be accessible by patients, uh, hopefully globally, that's the idea. And that's why we are really pioneering in uh, automation. So we are trying to switch completely the way people have been doing bioengineering in the past by using machines only. And we are really good on track. We have our automation program completed and it's uh, extremely exciting to be at the forefront on something which could be a revolution. Um, All this needs a lot of power, energy, money, patience and uh, resilience because it's definitely, it's cool to be the first, but it also has its price. You need to bang your head at many walls and uh, <laughs> you need to have a very, re- need to have a very resistant skull, huh? otherwise yeah, it's not going to work. I mean, but this unmet medical need and markets that nobody touched yet, uh, I think are the markets that have unicorn potential. When I just think even back Amazon, uh, yeah, exactly, Jeff Bezos, exactly. it, yeah. it's another industry, but there was nobody or social media, Facebook. Uh, yeah, exactly. Those very revolutionary things. And you know, what I love about us is that we did not come up with a solution and then we looked at the problem you know we had the problem to start i mean the lab when i was working was created by a surgeon which was in deep frustration that he couldn't have anything for his patient and he said okay i'm gonna build my own lab to build my own skin you know so (laughs) we know that there is a need Mm. and we know we have to get there for those people and then the potential can scale up to anything you know you could remove tattoos you could do other things but we know that there is a motivation there which is helping those which really have no choice. And that's why, that's what, you know, takes me, brings me up every morning. I mean, it's, um, you know, we know that the, the people need it, so we have to take it there yeah, as yeah. soon as possible. And how, how do you build the skin? How, how does that happen? So we start from a piece of biopsy of the patient, which is mm-hmm. uh, taken very thin and very small, so as small as a stem. And then this piece is sent to our labs, which are right now in Zurich. We have a brand new facility, mm-hmm. um, soon getting active. And uh, then we isolate two cell types from this uh, biopsy and we grow the cells. And then when they reach a certain number, depending on the need of the patient, we combine them using a scaffold into a skin graft. Uh, which is then transplanted on the patient. And after transplantation, it becomes skin. So we are not um, providing the patient with the skin already done. It's actually himself being the last bioreactor in the process and and, and, uh, regenerating the skin. And we have done that already on patients. We have five years follow-up on people, on kids already. So we know that the product has been very stable in the last five years. It's grown with the patients and results are so far promising of course there is a long way to show efficacy and yeah. uh, you know follow-ups i mean i'm not saying that it's done it's just extremely promising which of course it's very good motivation for people like me so working you, so hard for it yeah. so you already have a long-term perspective long-term data for what yeah we have said. five years follow-up yeah we transplanted the first cool. patient in uh, 2014 first time yeah and no adverse events so it's uh... no so yeah, far, so good. Amazing. I mean, it's 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 based on patient cells, you know, so yeah. which are very minimally manipulated. So there is not much safety concerns to be raised. And uh, um, yeah, so, so far, so good. But as I said, I mean, we still have a lot to prove. Huh? So it's yeah. not done, but uh, step by step. <laughs> I just I just try for myself, I just try to figure out in my mind the use cases. So basically, uh, if I happen to have an, a car accident and... Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, my face is destroyed um, 
entirely and I need reconstructive surgery. So mm -hmm. you would be part of the process by providing uh, new skin. Skin is needed, yeah. Based on my, yeah. Cell, based on my cells, and, yes. uh, which increases the chance that the, that the reconstructive surgery is more successful. Did I get, did yeah, I get it right? um, yeah, there is two components uh, at once. So when the, the injury is very large, uh, mm -hmm. there is a need for skin because you simply don't have enough on your body. So what's done yeah. today is that if you, if you burn your left arm, surgeon takes skin from another part and put it there. So, But if the injury is very large, there is simply not enough to cover you. So mm -hmm. it's a donor site shortage, which we can tackle by bioengineering because we create things in the lab and bring it back. And in addition, the skin, which is harvested usually from the healthy part of the body, is too thin compared to the wounds. So you have the scar tissue created under the graft, and this creates the, the fibrotic tissue, the scar tissue, which is a problem because it hurts, it's painful, it, uh, it's not growing with the patient, so it needs a lot of surgeries, it's very itchy, it's re re contracting, mm -hmm. and I mean, it's, it's, it requires a lot of home care, you know, and, and very often psychosocial rehabilitation because burn patients don't go back to work or to school. So we have these two, two things. We can do skin out of a little piece, which is really good for those which lost a lot of skin or need a lot of skin. But the skin that we bioengineer also promises to be minimally scarring. So when we transplant it, it looks good and it feels good. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why it can be used also for reconstructive uh, yeah. indications. So the, the, there's a plethora of indications that could be used. We are focusing to be fully honest right now on, on burns to start. That's really okay. our priority. We want to treat burns to start. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a huge need in that area. Yes. yes. Yeah. And also mm -hmm. tattoos you mentioned. I mean, I just uh, would say if I get tattooed, I mean, I don't have one, but uh, just in case I could remove it after one year, give me a new canvas and then go back to the, <laughs> to the shop oh, again. Well, Actually, the, the world is going that way. I think in 10 years from now, we will be able to replace a lot of body parts. I mean, it's going to be, and especially in fusion with tech, yeah. it may be, you know, semi-living prosthesis and stuff. I mean, I think the world is going to that direction. So that's why it's also interesting to invest in a company like ours, because it's it's a door to the future. Whether the future will become real or not, we don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody's a future talent, at least not that I know. Um, but it seems that the you know everything is going towards cells, towards its yeah. own patients' own cells, you know, uh, and, and that's why we want to be there. You know, we want to be before, the first with the skin. Before we go into the investment story behind your company, uh, let's stay a little bit on the future perspective. Um, yes. Do Do you know Star Trek? Basically, Star Trek. Star Trek. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. Great. Uh, I mean. I'm not really a fan, so. Okay, but when I, when I when I think about the Star Trek series, uh, they play 200 years in the future. About, in the future. And uh, that that seems in this vision, in this in this uh, vision of a potential future, there seems to be normal that organs are replaced, body parts yeah. are replaced, and grown in labs. Uh, do yes. you really do you really see that coming? Is that really a, a visible future? I think that, I mean, I don't know how far we can really uh, push biology in replacing every single part of the body. Honestly, I don't think we are there yet in 10 years, but uh, even though, I mean, progress is going much faster than before, but I think it's it's going to probably be um, the real um, meaning of the word biotech. It's going to be a fusion of biology and technology. So yeah. uh, there will probably be something like a combination. I could imagine an eye being replaced by 
you know, a real eye, which you can engineer, but having some chips inside that, you know, that, that made me your retina, you know, something like yeah. that, something, a, co- a combination of that. I think that's the way it will go. And I also think that we see the trend. I mean, we see how nutraceuticals is becoming very, very uh, popular again. We see how microbioma is like the thing right now. You treat cancer using patients' own cells. You know, we are trying to, and I think it's it's extremely important to, to give power to our own body again. Our own bodies are perfect machines, almost perfect. And rather than bombing them with drugs or with drugs and combination drugs or with drugs and therapies, mm-hmm. why don't we explore a bit more what we can do with our own immune system and our own capacity of regeneration? Um, you know, 10 years ago, I think in my book, when I studied bi- biotechnology in Milano, it was written that neurons can't regenerate. If you lose neurons, they're gone. And we know that's not right anymore, you know? So we will learn enough, I think, to empower our own body to regenerate using technology and, bi- and biology together. I think it's it's going to be like that. I mean, I don't think it's going to be like in Star Trek, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Amazon is going to deliver body parts or with drones. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely happening. I mean, already now you have uh, bone, cartilage, skin, yeah. cornea, gut. I mean, there's so many things you can do. So step by step uh we need to we need to uncover the biology there is some biological limitations we don't know everything right? so it will take some will take some time but uh, we get there yeah. yeah we will see i mean it's a sound vision i think that it's yeah. uh, one of the important parts to have a great vision of what can happen uh, before going out and talking with investors <laughs> and- When I think back a couple of weeks, the reason why I reached out was that I was very impressed. Uh, I saw a press release of your company, if I remember it right. It was about June, July, uh, where you announced that you closed the financing round uh, of 20 million Swiss franc. Uh, I don't know, how did that happen? Because (laughs) we have the the pandemic and... um, All I got from the industry was that the deals that closed basically was uh, connected to SARS-CoV-2. So it was either vaccine development or it was connected to therapeutics or diagnostics or whatever. And then you came out with your press release and I thought that must have happened. All the work must have happened (laughs) during the lockdowns in Europe and in the United States. Uh, Tell me a little bit more. How, how How did you experience this fundraising round? Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders Drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. It was, uh, I mean, it was my third fundraising, so it was around B. Um, So I definitely was not, uh, you know, a first comer, which I think helped a lot, you know, having some sort of experience. Um, it took a lot of flexibility and resilience because uh, the plans just changed over the week. So mm. we started pitching right after Christmas break was over. Um, and our idea was to engage with an American or uh, Asian VC. We had a couple of them in the list, which were really ready to start due diligence. So we, the idea was to engage with one or two 
uh, of those uh, VCs in a syndicate and then close the round and, and continue the work. Mm -hmm. And um, so we started preaching, we started talking, but basically by mid-February, we realized that things were not looking that good. And by first week of March, uh, when we actually started the lockdown, I think it's which started on March 11 or something like mm -hmm. that, if mm -hmm. I don't remember wrong. Um, it just it, it died. I mean, the Asian investors said they don't gonna take any leads in Europe any longer. Uh, the Americans said we are in troubles in Europe because of the COVID, and they cannot take any risk in, in investing in a company which may go belly up in Europe, yeah, which is their place. They didn't have anything yet. US. Yeah. Uh, it was it was yeah it was in March when the United uh, the United States thought it's a European phenomenon. Yes, so it's, it's, just... a, it's an Italian. I mean, imagine it's <laughs> in Italy. I mean, it was a horrible thing. You yeah. know, you Swiss are the next. I mean, you're gonna go belly up, and uh, and and then I realized, okay, what do I do? I mean, I knew I had a runway for my team until first of October only, huh? mm -hmm. and and people which fundraise they know it's not taking you weeks to fundraise, but months. And in a company with 20 people, I mean, I have a responsibility to keep, you know, the funds up and running. Otherwise, I need to fire people, which is the worst thing that you could do. But it was a pandemic and nobody knew how, how long this would last and what exactly it was. It was a horrible situation because, uh, you know, everybody was telling me, uh, was telling me uh, what to do. You know, I mean, I had to basically... Um, uh, I heard, oh, please postpone the round. Do not fundraise. Just put it on hold and start again after summer. And I was like, wait a second. So after summer, do we know what's after summer? Do we know if it's better than now? Do we know mm. if it's worse than now? That's and awesome. at the end, it was my decision to, I called the board meeting and I said, I think we need to flip it. We need to issue our own term sheet and go out and focus on Swiss, Central Europe, wealth individuals and family mm -hmm. offices, which are actually afraid of investing outside too. So the way you invest inside, you know? And that's exactly what happened. It took me seven Smart. and a half weeks, seven and a half weeks to raise 20 millions, Concrete. only with Swiss investors, only with, with private individuals and family offices, which really wanted to support. I mean, I could feel their willingness to support. Mm -hmm. And it was fun because I was pitching from home with the kids in the background with, you know, a lot of, uh, of funny situations. But um, I think what really helped was also the fact that Kutis has a positive message. Mm -hmm. The Kutis always was a long-term investment. We never promised a 10x return in two years. So yeah. we were long-term and long-term remained. And, and I think... It, it, it gave investors some sort of positiveness, you know, some sort of, uh, it was a very dark period. Everybody was depressed and nobody mm -hmm. knew. And I mean, I had one guy that told me, listening to you pitching is more entertaining than watching a movie. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> I, okay, I like it. That's but, good at one point, but at one point I was going crazy because I had my record in one day, I pitched 12 times. One after the other. And at the end of the day, my head was exploding. So I called a friend of mine, which is uh, having a cool company on with, with the video cameras and, and, and stuff like that. And I said, can you can you record me? Can I come to your studio and you video record me? And he said, oh, sure. So I did that. And then from then on, I was sending my video out, you know, because I otherwise really, it was a bit too much to handle. Huh? But it worked. It worked well. No, I believe Very proud. Yeah, you can be proud of that uh, achievement. And I believe it's that it costs a lot of energy to treat every single pitch in one day 12 times like it's the first pitch times. of the day so 12 times hi i'm daniela marino i'm yeah. the ceo of Kutis, and, oh, and you have to spread out the energy 
Yes, yes. <laughs> no, it's so if I got it right, uh, you started the process last year. Uh, so you prepared all the material that you need yes. to go out on the market. And Correct. the initial plan was to kick off the fundraising in the first quarter of 2020. And inter internationally, so it's Asian investors, United States investors yes. preparing the company potentially for uh, also creating some stories in Asia and the United States. And yes. then everything flipped and turned upside down. And then it took you only seven and a half weeks to remodel the entire plan, yes. talk to people and sign the contracts. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's really well it's done. pretty quick that's what yeah. you can do when you pitch in average <laughs> seven times a day you know <laughs> yes 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 and we i tried my best you know some investors are even dared to come to the lab and see the lab because you know we mm -hmm. never really had a lockdown where you couldn't leave the house but you know we were there with masks and gloves and lab coats trying to keep safe and i think they appreciated the fact that i Keep, kept pushing despite the mm -hmm. you know the hard times and I, I and I think I mean the whole team was uh, made the right choice I mean because of, I have to say the board was extremely supportive look at now I mean if you want to fundraise now I mean you know 20 millions or more I mean now there is a second wave and it's nobody knows okay the vaccine is coming maybe it could be but to me the idea of waiting in February didn't didn't seem like the the good one so Yeah. No, I, mean, I don't really be, like waiting. <laughs> what was the alternative? I mean, you said that your cash runway was until October. Yeah, so fun, start working. fundraising in August, in, in the middle of the summer break. I don't think it would have been a wise choice. Nah. My experience is in summer, everybody is on holiday, even in the pandemic, yeah. and not thinking. Yeah. About, I mean, uh, most of the people have families, so they have kids and they need yeah. to do something. And they're they off anyways, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it would mean winding the company down, going on a, a silent route. It's not a good plan. It, no. uh, the company should be flying and uh, continuing. Where is the money going? What what are your next step with the company? So we have one. We need to finish the trials. We are now running phase two trials in Europe. We are uh, making our new facility up and running. So it's built, but now we need to you know start producing there. And we grew the team, of course, because we are now getting ready for authorization for markets. So we have a quality team, an operation team, we grew the team. And we also need the money to for the scale-up. So we need to really get ready for shipping the skin all over the place. We need to work on the pricing strategy and the reimbursement strategy. So it's really pre-market launch activities which now need to need to um, kick in clearly the year was not an easy one so the trials have been you know kind of delayed because of the covid the facility came to life almost two months later uh, but you know that's in startup i think startups react much better to those kind of situations than corporates because we're used to change the plans every two weeks so it's like yeah whatever so i think being a startup allows you to be very flexible and resilient and um, i i like to, sh to to think of kut is like a japanese skyscraper you know it shook like crazy but mm -hmm. it didn't didn't collapse you know so it's uh it's definitely we learned a lot this year we really learned a lot i, so. I believe that i think it's uh Yeah. It's no problem to change plans as long as the company is moving forward towards the long-term yes. goal um, and incorporates what happens in the world. I always wondered, um, since March, I had the feeling that all resources in the industry are 100% focused on SARS-CoV-2. How, how was it to push studies forward with a non-SARS-CoV-2 topic? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I think burns are a very emotional topic to talk mm. about. I mean, people usually know somebody, they know somebody, you know, people go in the news when something happens, it, it, it's inflicting kids, even heavier than adults. And and what I like to pitch now is to say that more than 80% of severe burn injuries occur at home. So in a world of lockdown and home office and everything, we are not going to be out of business. There actually may be an increase in yeah. demand for our skin. So if you want to think that the world has learned something and then maybe we will be changed forever after this pandemic and we will be more inside, you know, more. Actually, we need a solution for the burns because it mm. is happening. And, uh, and I think that played a role. I mean, we were probably... A refreshing topic because the news only talked about COVID. Everybody only talked about COVID. And I would come up and say, you know, burns, kids and this and that. And I think it was a refreshing discussion for many. And uh, still with the, with the idea that, you know, in contrast to many other businesses, which may see a decline in sales because of the new world, uh, in our situation, we actually may see an increase. So I think it's definitely that. And as I said before, just trying to bring some positiveness. I think it helped a lot. Mm. Yeah. To keep yeah, to yeah. keep on bringing a positive message and to say that it's not just COVID. You know, people are dying of other things. It's yeah. not just the COVID. And if we now only focus on COVID, we're going to have half of the population dying of something else. And uh, and what do we do then? You know, and, uh, and it's important also to make people uh, smile and laugh. I mean, I never lose my humor. I'm always making a lot of jokes, and I think people in dark times need that too. Huh? <laughs> Absolutely, you you have to yeah. keep the spirit up. You have to keep the spirit exactly, positive, exactly. up, and uh, forward looking. We have to change yeah. the world to the better and not to the worse. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> step by uh, step. Yeah, yeah, we will. Oh, I, I'm confident. I'm confident. Uh, yeah. So your company currently is well financed, and I heard that you are preparing for the market entry. Is there still a chance for investors if they might be interested to join your company to get in, or is it? Uh, Is it over now, the fundraising? <laughs> so there is a chance, a very short-term one, because we have opened an extension of the round, which closes on December 4th. Mm -hmm. So there is still a few weeks to go to eventually still be part of the, um, the journey uh, mm -hmm. by becoming a shareholder. Uh, next big round is planned in 2022-2023. So if not until the 4th of December, that's going to be the next chance. Yeah. Okay. How much money do you raise until the December 4th? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 10 million at least. That's okay. the target. No. And how, how much do you need still? Or is, is uh, we, have, uh, we have a bit more than two reserved right now and uh, at least 20 people in due diligence. So we'll see what cashes in until the third. <laughs> So when the podcast goes live over the weekend, so there's still a possibility. There's still some chance, yes. Yeah, to, to join. <laughs> uh, and what are the next steps then? Uh, market entry and what 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 are you planning with the money that you raise? So that's, yeah, with uh, the money that we raise, really is that. I mean, it's the whole package for the for the authorization. So the preclinical, mm -hmm. the clinical, the characterization, the new facility. And the uh, next step for the machine. So having one or two of these machines in manufacturing. And basically, this financing now should lead us to being ready with the package for authorization. And the next big round would then be really a, you know, a scale-up round. I mean, something which would then maybe bring us to additional markets, big partnerships. I mean, the idea would be to 
um, create hubs, you know, in different continents to mm-hmm. deliver the skin. Um, and that's that's where I would then use the, the next round for, like growth and expansion, yeah. Yes, yeah. you mentioned there is there's nothing currently, so there is no big big company who is covering that. So you have to build everything from scratch. Yeah, basically there has been some failures in the past, uh, but this was really early '90s, you know. And then the, I think that the, there was nothing wrong with the products, rather with the timing. You know, it was technology today is so much more accessible and affordable, yeah. and 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 back then it was just very difficult to think about machines and you know softwares and this and that. And today I think it's just a, as our chief innovation officer likes to say, it's an alignment of planets, you know. Uh, and and that's why we have a chance now to succeed. I mean, just to tell you, we can buy a machine which is eighty thousand dollars to grow the cells full automatically. You know, we don't have to do much. I mean, that's something which ten years ago wouldn't exist. So impossible. Yeah. It's it's incredible. It's you know, it's a very good time to be to be a scientist or a pioneer right now because technology is accessible, really. Huh? So um, yeah, so that's 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 what what it is. And but we still need to build a community. I, I believe strongly in communities. I mean, Kut is alone. I don't plan to build my own facilities everywhere and become, you know, I, I really think there is cool players in different continents, which are maybe not doing skin, but something similar. And my idea would really be to partner up with those and create a network of, of regenerative companies, you know, regenerative medicine companies. So it would, um, also, so it would also be open to talk with uh, regenerative clinics or pharmaceutical companies who want to go into that space as a license. I mean, partner. the pharma companies, yeah, I mean, it's probably not my preferred target uh I, I i actually i'm thinking more about this fusion of tech and bio and mm-hmm. i mean i would love to talk to this you know very tech companies i mean just to tell you know big ones like samsung fujifilm you know those which are fusing with bio as well really? samsung, uh, how, how samsung has a samsung has a bioengineering division so yeah yeah and korea is, yeah in korea and, and fujifilm in japan they are they're in business, huh? I mean, they are acquiring yeah. one buy after the other. So I, 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 I realize I have to flip some switches in my mind. I mean, as a man, I'm quite focused. <laughs> and <laughs> I have two Samsung televisions. So every time when I hear Samsung, I think about ah. television and mobile. And then it says, yeah, Well, there is more. more. <laughs> there is more to that. Yes, there is more to that. I mean, JTEC uh, was a company in Japan which sells um, some sort of skin product and was acquired by Fujifilm. And Fujifilm was not acquiring skin products before, but it's, uh, yeah, it's Fujifilm. that's what I love about Kutis. I think we yeah. are building something which goes away from the classical path, which goes away from the classical biotech, pharma, end of the story, you know. Uh, it would be cool to build something which is really innovative and fusing all these technologies together. And that's why maybe a, a component like, or a partner like Samsung would be super, super, super interesting. Absolutely. Did um, you evaluate Google and Apple? Are they also going in that direction? I mean, Google, I have, I don't think they, they're going to buy engineering. I mean, Apple, I also don't think so. I mean, those those are really much hardware focused, no, and yeah. software. So I don't know. We need somebody which is more into machines and reactors and, and stuff like the microfluidics, you know, fluid handling, stuff like that. So, but you you don't know. I mean, you never know. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe maybe some other somebody else pops up uh, in the meantime. We don't. We are not in a hurry. We are not selling anything yet or partnering up yet. So, in the next two years, the world may look anyway different from today. So we'll see. But it sounds to me like currently front running is Asia. 
So I mean, Samsung, Fujifilm. I mean, Asia, Asia is uh, very much advanced in terms of regenerative medicine, much more than the Western world. Uh, you know, and they are having biobanks and stuff like that. Did you find? Have, yeah. Did you find the reasons why why that is that way that Asia seems to be advanced? I think what, they, there is a component of aesthetics which they care more about uh, than we do. I mean, they're really to all these different uh, ways of looking always young and always mm -hmm. fresh, which we don't really care much in Europe. And they, I think they love the idea of uh, preserving their things. I mean, they, they are biobanking like crazy. They're biobanking everything in the, with, the, with the idea that in the future they may go back to their young cells and re become young again, okay. you know. And that's something which maybe because of religion in Europe and in US is not really kicking in yet. I think we're just behind. Because imagine, I'm doing skin. I could bank your stem cells when you're very young. So when you need skin later on, I'm, I'm done. You know, I have your fresher cells and I can do skin. I could bank cells for soldiers, for firefighters, for those which need eventually skin because of their profession. You know, we could think about something like that, like a prevention medicine, you know, prevention yeah. And, and in, in, in Asia, that's booming like crazy. And here it's not, when you say biobanks, like, yeah, what, for what? You know, it's not that, it's not that in. Um, so that's why I think it's a general concept of rejuvenation. The Asians love this, this concept of keeping young. And in Europe, we talk about it. It's true. But if you look around, there is not much happening. Huh? So That's very yeah. interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for a clone. <laughs> so that's... <laughs> Upload me to the well, next. I said rejuvenation, not cloning. Cloning <laughs> is another thing. I mean, it uh, <laughs> may get a bit more dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Playing yeah. with that, huh? we, will, we will see what happens. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, the next exactly. years. But let's let's go yeah. back to the topic of the podcast: uh, yes. raising funds and raising money. Yes. Um, what advice would you give to the young generation of scientists when they have an idea and say, similar to you, they say, I want to be a CEO. So what should yeah. they uh, take care of? Yes, that's an excellent question. So uh, I had mixed feelings when I decided to become an entrepreneur because um, I thought I would miss science. And I thought I'm passing to the dark side. I mean, you talked about Star Trek. <laughs> now I talk about Star Wars. Yeah. You know, you are a Jedi when you are behind the bench and you become a dark side, you know, the Darth Vader follower when you are a businesswoman, you know. And, uh, and I, I can assure people, I haven't changed. I mean, I became a scientist because I wanted to find solutions for people in need. And I wanted to innovate and I wanted to discover things. And, and I'm just now seeing it from a different perspective. But my motivation hasn't changed. I mean, what I'm doing every day, uh, despite sleepless nights with the kids, is to try and bring something to those in need. So don't be ashamed or don't be uh, concerned about the fact that you may change your your mainstream or you may change your way of, of looking at things. It's just a different position in mm. in the in, in in the in the in the society somehow but um it needs the right drive and if you are a scientist which has the right drive and the right motivation the right background because i think being a scientist makes you a good ceo i have to mm. say um because you you have a, a different way of looking at things if you're a scientist and if you're a financial person you know you really i mean maybe my being CEO will not be the perfect forever. You know, for the initial phase of the company, that's good. At one point, if you go to IPO, maybe I'm not the right CEO anymore. But take, you know, 
be bold, uh, have the guts to say, I'm going to give it a try. And, and don't think that your life will change, um, you know, it, deeply inside. I mean, it won't. Your life will be different. I mean, you will not be behind the bench. But I have to say, I don't miss that a lot. So uh, it's not too bad. But I'm still the same person as I was before. Maybe a bit even, um, I mean, of course, mature. And uh, and I'm, I don't have any regrets. So just be bold, give it a try, and don't be afraid. And just please, the first thing you need to do is build a network. Just start creating a crowd around yourself that you can pick up the phone and call. Uh, because you are going to need a lot of help, <laughs> for sure. That's that's good insight. I like the first I like the first part that you mentioned about the dark and the dark light the dark. <laughs> I I hear that very often. I hear that very often that business is bad and business is evil, yes. money is yes. evil. And yes. I always think this is a is a huge misconception that we have so in our society. Yes. Because every company that they think of, I mean let's just set aside whether you like it or not or whether we like it or not, but every company needs to deliver a product or a service yes. that brings value to the customer at the end of the day, because otherwise no customer is willing to pay. Is willing to pay. Uh, as long as we are in a democracy. So uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> nobody can force anybody to buy from Amazon or to buy from Apple. So the companies yeah. need to bring really value to the people and change their life for the better. And I also agree to you that the best way to do that is to found a company and yeah. uh, push that product forward. And I really I really didn't find out why this, this huge misconception exists still in the world that companies are bad. I think I know maybe why. There is a, there is a misconception. I mean, I think there is a reason. The reason is maybe that people think that big pharma, uh, you know, they look at profit and, uh, mm. and you know, they, they don't care about uh, small, rare disease, you know, they only want to make money, which is partially true. I mean, it's, it's true. Big companies are not really focusing on small disease or small, rare disease, even though now the regulatory body fixed that, right, by giving mm. this orphan indication and everything. So I think it may come with the idea that, uh, people that sell drugs and products uh, just want to make money and they don't care about the, the real need. And I, I don't know. I think it's maybe we, we also, we as young companies have a big, big responsibility here to mm. change that kind of perspective, to show yeah, that one true. can do bio business in a very healthy and, and honest and, and, and transparent way. Uh, not having the profit in the center, but having the patient in the center and being really looking at safety more than anything else you know and maybe in the next years this view will change i don't know i mean that's one of the thoughts i've given to the fact that people told me oh you throw turn to the dark side i'm like what dark side <laughs> i mean what? i abandoned the circle of scientists I'm like what are you talking about you know i didn't really abandon anything but yeah yeah so, we, can, uh, we can also bring the buddhist uh way of yin and yang and uh, it's, yeah. it's all the same i mean like uh, when I look at the industry, pharma industry, of course, I mean it's a, it's about profit because it's a business. Yeah. Uh, but the, but the thing is, profit doesn't come on the first place. Uh, whoever wants to make any profits needs to deliver something of value. Which to is people. good. Yeah. I think that the, the the huge problem we have in the pharma industry are these huge expenses we we have to bring one drug or one product yeah, very expensive development I, yeah. I have i have not done i have not read studies about regenerative medicine yet and medical devices but i know the drug development space very well so 
lately it was in June, I was running a project. Um, I had a discussion with some scientists and we digged again in the numbers how much money in average the pharmaceutical industry needs to bring one drug to the market. A lot, Two billion dollars. So it's yeah. two billion dollars. It went up in the last 10 years from one billion yeah. to two billion. Um, and if we want to keep this industry running so that we want to improve drugs on the market, that we want to get better, more effective drugs and more safe drugs, we need to have the circle so that patients pay, pay back to the industry that we can reinvest then into the science and improve the products and services and in between of course we need profits because as you know uh sometimes we get a pandemic and if we don't have <laughs> anything in our bank account uh, then we go belly up yes yeah i think no i agree i don't think it's the dark side running a business and uh, scientists should be bold speaking of speaking of the dark side i mean there are also some bad days in running companies what is your secret uh to 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 keep you going and to keep your company going because we already we need to be positive do you do you have an advice for the young scientists how to stay positive all the time Yes, I mean, uh, definitely, you know, people may be born as positive people and may be born as negative people by definition. I mean, so I am definitely, I started with the right gear because I'm positive mm -hmm. by definition. I always try to look, always find the bright side of anything that happens. So even in the worst catastrophic day, there is something we learned, you know, there is something we can do better next time. There is something we could, you could change or think of. So looking at the bright side of life really is something which you should mm -hmm. keep in mind all the time. And of course, there is terrible times. I mean, we all have a family. We all have our own problems. We all have our own dark days and um, and things just does, don't work. And, and uh, I mean, definitely it helps if you keep up with humor. I mean, just try to make fun of yourself. Just make fun of the situation. Just mm -hmm. de-escalate the... Because negativity builds on negativity. And uh, and if you can go away from the cloud and look from outside and even make a joke out of it, you know, people will start looking at you and think, okay, why is she doing that? But then they will smile and everything will restart. So I think having fun and having humor and being positive is definitely a huge winning card because it's it's a roller coaster. It's good and bad, good and bad in, in, in very variable uh, stages. And you need to be extremely, extremely resistant to stress, extremely resistant to stress. Also not to go mad. I mean, you know, it takes you nothing to to, to just flip flip out. Huh? Because sometimes like, why, why did I do this? <laughs> why did I not open a restaurant? You know? But then I'm yeah. like, okay, if I would open a restaurant right now, I would be in deep trouble. So you know what? It's better I didn't buy a tech. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be nice times right now so you know i just i think it's in, it's very important to enjoy everything you do because uh, life is so That's short true. and and if you're pissed every day it's not fun so yeah and any That's small kids helps you know because when i come home i can't be depressed i mean I, they need to see mommy and they, mm -hmm. I, they need me as well so i'm rather forced to to keep positive which is good so Maybe without kids, I would need to buy dogs or something. I don't know. I would need to do something else. Yeah. yeah or meditation. Cats. I don't know. <laughs> I have two cats. Um, two cats. You see? So I have a cat or cats. I mean, there's not much to do. Yeah. No, I, I, can, I can relate to that. I mean, sometimes yeah. if, 
wish me back to the days of nine to five. <laughs> so yeah. as, a, as an entrepreneur, we have to love problems. So this is this is one thing that yes. I found out. Yes. We need to solve problems and uh, we need to think forward and find the solutions. Exactly. And speaking of solutions and modern technology, we already tackled science fiction with Star Trek. Yes, and Star, Wars. Star Wars now. <laughs> and in Star Trek, something happens quite frequently. It's time travel. So let's let's just assume that uh was I Captain Kirk or Captain Picard uh travels travels back in time to our time and uh picks you up and uh brings you 10 years in the future and uh yeah uh introduces you to old. your <laughs> <laughs> can I stay with the age now or you have a chance to speak with your future self so you can meet yes. yourself and speak and um, you can ask the one question and the, the question is uh, what was the most significant change you did in 2020 um, that shaped the future of your company in a positive way? What would your future self answer to that question? Uh -huh. So what happened this year that changed the course of the company? Um, I think this year we learned how to be a phoenix, so how to resurrect from hashes and how to uh, go on despite really bad weather. So um, strength and, and resilience and... Um, really commitment to push no matter what so uh without resilience and commitment this year i think the company would have closed so mm. it is definitely this year was a live or die situation so mm. uh, back then i would say yeah in 2020 we managed to go through a pandemic you know continue with the plan as planned and build the team and and go through two lockdowns and uh, and still still keep investors happy partners happy and uh, and 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 continue so um it's definitely commitment and 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 resilience which would probably have really changed uh, the course of the company this year yeah and how are you planning to use that experiences in the coming years Yes, I mean, the, I think we all learned that uh, we, of course, need to have these very big master plans and the big visions and the big milestones, but we also need to go very granular into which are the sub-deliverables and the sub-milestones. So mm -hmm. if something happens, you can still steer and try to correct and maybe prioritize in a different way so the project is delayed but not stopped. It is all a matter of how you tweak the system so that you just have a delay but not a stop. It's, it's really something because sometimes mm -hmm. you have this big, big idea and you think you get there and, you know, there is no alternative. Either you get there or we don't. And I think we all need to learn there is a gray zone. <laughs> Maybe you reach something else, which is not what you wanted to reach, but it's still good enough for the next step, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's all about uh, really um, planning well and controlling the plan in a way which makes you survive in, in, in difficult times. And I think that's something which we're going to drag on for next year and the year after, you know, to, to, because, yeah, it was a cold shower, huh? When, imagine, yeah. I mean, we are 20 people working, having a huge plan, experiment, self-culture, this experiment, that experiment, then everybody's home for two months. It was, it was really not fun. <laughs> and then we still push it through. So, yeah. 
No, I absolutely yeah. agree with that. I think it's a great learning to make plans. Uh, plans. Sometimes to stick to the plans, but also stay flexible and navigate. To be waters. having, yeah, flexible plans. You need flexible plans. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Daniela, we are at the end of our talk. Um, Good. Thank you very thank much, you so much for your time. Uh, I wish you. you all the best for closing the second part of your fundraising. Thank you. <laughs> and let's talk in the future again. <laughs> Sure. Thank you very much. And I wish you all a good day or afternoon. Bye. Have a great Thank day. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.